He a boss, just like me. No, I need me a Al Pacino. G5, be live. Be live, they're making money. Cheer me up, babe. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Zappuccino, Zappuccino. Can't get over the fact that the first thing that is said in this movie is revolution. Like, it's really so true, Al. Like, so true. <laughs> and then he goes on to define revolution. <laughs> I can't believe that the director was like, you know what, this movie's really missing is a voiceover. Like, I feel like a voiceover is gonna be the thing that like really ties it together. I've read like so many quotes from him being like, yeah, I really felt like the voiceover was the thing that like, you know, really concretely clearly expresses what we're trying to say and it's like what are you trying to say buddy and the first thing that he says is revolution an uprising <laughs> of people and ideas and you're like oh my god it's really like a essay that you're trying to fill work out for where you're <laughs> yeah. like the the oxford english dictionary defines revolution that's exactly what it is Thank you. I didn't know that before. Oh, and also the bit where God, it's like you know the guy who with the like with the model of the like planets where he's oh, like yeah yeah. And this is what Washington says the revolution <laughs> is. It's like turning around, and I'm like, I can't. I don't understand. How did he say that with a straight face? It's like this is one kind of revolution, and this another kind. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> hello, hello, welcome. Hi, welcome to Al Pacino. I'm Lara. I'm Maddie. And this is a podcast about Al Pacino. You know, we are charting the entire, the entire filmography. I feel like we really need to stress that this week because we are charting the entire Pacino filmography. We're going up and down the many highways and byways of his career and to learn a, you know, learn a bit about the man himself and about movies and about movie stars and why we love them and this week we are really being pushed this is the first movie i think that we've both like outright really disliked i think i wanted so badly to turn this off like so badly <laughs> i was sitting there and i'm like please i just want it to end oh. i know i know and it's not like anything horrible happens but i'm just like i hate this so much i mean some horrible things happen it's a war but you know like yeah, yeah, and you don't even have the Bobby Deerfield thing where it's like, at least he looks nice and, like, Italy is beautiful. And Not <laughs> even that. <laughs> he looks terrible, the yeah. film is terrible. Yeah. Like, it's all terrible. Today we are talking about Revolution, 1985's Revolution, mm -hmm. and Maddie hated this movie so much she didn't even come up with a plot description. <laughs> Genuinely, nothing of interest happens in this movie. It's about the American Revolutionary War. Al is this, like, fur trader who gets caught up in it with his son. Some stuff happens with Natasha Kinski that I don't really understand. I don't, it doesn't have anything to say, it's not about anything. Um, and it did almost kill the British film industry. So that's interesting. Yeah. But like... <laughs> it is really interesting, actually, which is why I feel like I've got to bring the energy this episode because Maddie's going to, like, throw us off, off of a building if she, like, has to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it's fascinating because I sort of told you this earlier, but, like, I mentioned to my dad that I was going to be watching this movie today and he immediately goes, oh, that movie, like, nearly sunk the British film industry. And I was like, what? Really? And he was like, yeah. Which is 
is something you wouldn't expect from a movie about the American Revolution. <laughs> like, they ruined a small town in Norfolk for many months filming this movie. And then an entire studio ran out of money and Al Pacino decided, like, never to work again. <laughs> and that's, you know... <laughs> Everything caused by this movie, just like a an, an ending chain of like misery and just mess. It's it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's crazy. So this is one of I said this in my like last watch review. Like so, usually like these kind of flop movies, you're like, oh, maybe there's actually something interesting here, and it's like, no, yeah. this deserve like all the critique it got. It's terrible. Like it's yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting because there are the two cuts of this movie, right? Like there's mm-hmm. the, the original cut and the kind of, they call it like Revolution Revisited or something, right? There's like a whole name for it. And which they put together like quite a while after it came out, right? Like a good yeah, kind I of... I think it was 2009 and you can really hear it because the like um, narration is Pacino in 2009 and you're like, oh right, he sounds like he's... <laughs> yeah, aged 20 years. Yeah, like... 30 years? 30 years. Something years old, and I don't know how old. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really <laughs> truly bad. And we watched the the good cut. Like, we yeah, we did the, 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 the best possible version of it, and it was still atrocious. <sighs> yeah, it is bad. It's truly very bad, and it just kind of like you said. Normally, there's sort of something that could kind of be grasped from. Mm. A flop. Like, I generally like to think that, like you say, most movies like this that are kind of, you know, lose so much money, there, there's something in there, right? But, like, mm. it's just, it, it is barren. It is just, like, this empty husk of a movie. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it was really depressing to watch. I think that this movie is especially interesting in the case of Al because I feel like it kind of this feels very much like the changing of the guard right like this is the kind Mm -hmm. of point of no return for him Mm -hmm. for a while because yeah i mean i I wouldn't say he's big in this movie but he's kind of hamming it up right like it's 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 not nuanced it's no no and like for a movie that kind of you know it i think it really wants to like exist you know in a kind of middle like i can't tell what this movie's sort of politics are or how it feels about you know the war that is kind of going on um, you know it's sort of you think it swings one way for a while and then it kind of like brings in a lot of stuff that sort of counterbalances like it it's just yeah. it's all over the place and he is kind of equally all over the place i think yeah. he just doesn't know what he's doing like he just he's doing this accent that is just like incomprehensible i was like (laughs) is he from new york is he from scotland like where is he meant to be from (laughs) there's one point where he's like oh yeah like back where i'm from and i'm like are you from 20th century new york because that's where i think you're from like are you just a man out of time like what is this i was I have I had the exact I was about to pull the exact same yeah, line yeah. he's like back where I'm from. I'm like, is he meant to be playing somebody who like English is his second language? Is like that why he sounds funny? <laughs> and no, I mean thankfully that's not the case. Like I thought they were gonna whip no. out like, oh he's actually Spanish and I'm like, Yeah. No. But thankfully that is not the case. He is Scottish, but uh but he does not sound like every now and then he kind of like has a little bit of a lilt and but the rest of the time it's just yeah, like, he's, like trying. 
every so often and I'm like why are you doing it every like 10 minutes you do one word and I'm like <laughs> it's so bad man either do it or don't do it like it's fine you don't have to do it Al like whatever. yeah I know you kind of just wish he didn't do it like it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to like because most of the people in this movie either have British accents or American accents. Like, there's really no kind of yeah. in-between. So I don't understand why he was... It feels so, like such an actorly choice to like be like, oh, I'm going to do a... I'm going to be an immigrant. Like, it's like, I'm. this is going to kind of set me apart mm-hmm. from all the other Americans in this movie. And it's like, <laughs> bad, 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 bad. Bad. Maddie, how did he... Yeah. How? How did this happen? <laughs> Explain your man's decisions to me, please. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I have to go back. I have to talk about the production of this movie and like how this came to be. I have so many notes. Oh, yeah, me too, um, actually, which is great. Like, I think we've got a lot to talk good, about, yeah. which is fun. So, so yeah. So the director of this movie is Hugh Hudson, and it didn't originate with him. It originated with um, Irvin Winkler. Irwin Winkler, who um, oh yeah, sure. Also produced Author Author, and he produced Raging Bull. More importantly, and um, some good movies. And he got the idea for it while he was in Scorsese's house when they were working on Raging Bull. And he saw that Scorsese had these little toy soldiers. And he was like, oh, why hasn't anyone made a movie about the American Revolutionary War? And I'm like, hmm, yeah, great. There might be a reason for that. Like, it's not compelling or interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and he thought that there was, like, some relevance with regards to Vietnam and the kind of, like, American troops being a sort of guerrilla force and uh, the British being so disciplined and stuff like that, but that's not really... No one makes that point. No, no, that's not really... That doesn't track at all, to be honest. No, and also it's, like, 1985. I mean, obviously people are still thinking about the Vietnam War, but, like, you're ten years late for making a movie about Vietnam. Dylan, I can't remember his first name, but the screenwriter, someone Dylan, um, was working on another movie with Hugh Hudson at the time and so Hudson kind of came across this script and he'd had difficulties on his previous film which is Greystoke because of like I don't even remember what but I think he fell out with his producer and all that kind of thing and he produced it himself and just kind of a mess even though the movie ended up being good apparently although I haven't seen any other Hudson movies I haven't even seen Chariots of Fire oh sure yeah I was gonna Um, say he's Chariots of Fire right that's his claim to fame yeah, yeah yeah Cool. So he wanted to work with a strong producer at that point. So that's why he was kind of interested in working with Winkler on this movie. Um, and he said all sorts of nonsense about this movie. Like, oh, it's this it's uh, Oedipal story. Like, America is struggling against his... Oh my... Yeah, he's like, America is struggling against their parent. And it's like... A... And I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, great. That's definitely not what comes across. Oh, my but... God. Okay. Oh, man. Um... And one of the most interesting parts of this, like, Hudson thing is that... So Hudson brought this movie to Goldcrest, which is the British company that mostly financed the movie just after Warner Brothers uh, rejected it. And at the same time, Goldcrest were making The Mission, which is a movie from 1986 with Robert De Niro. Okay. Um, which is uh, set around this time and is set in South America and it's Bobby plays this soldier and then he becomes a missionary in the movie anyway, which is a better movie than this one, but still not great. Um... <laughs> So the guy that Hudson had fallen out with on Chariots of Fire, so his producer, is David Putnam. And he, at that time, was working on the mission with the same company. So, like, in some ways, it seems like this was kind of uh, working on the same movie at once. Like, these two guys went off to make the same movie, basically. (laughs) And that, like, possibly the reason Hudson wanted Al was because the mission had De Niro. Niro. He wanted to Um... kind of equal it. Yeah. 
which is yeah, fine. But Robert sure. De Niro's work has a face somehow and a vibe <laughs> that works a lot better in like period. Also, that movie is like, and it like won festival prizes and stuff. The mission isn't actually like decent movie, <laughs> whereas this one, <laughs> um, oh, that's so funny, barely came out. That's so funny. But yeah. Wow. I like this is like a revenge thing. Like, that's so funny to me. That, like <laughs> that's these so guys petty. just like I I, we're it. gonna co-bankrupt this studio by making these like ridiculous epics that basically no one wants to see with these like Italian American guys who are miscast in these movies. Like Yeah, like... yeah, God, yeah, that's true. But I in my research he did this like retrospective thing, uh like in a retrospective interview with The Guardian that you may or may not have come across. Oh, and there's this that. quote where he says like we knew we were trying something unusual long takes handheld camera works and having an anti-hero we were filming in an age of american triumphalism cinema was full of action heroes but Pacino could see it was a great part and i love the idea of this street rat who was cowardly yet tough i think it's some of the most moving acting he's ever done and i think that's like such an interesting like i mean i think that that's like right in a lot of ways like i think yeah you are kind of making a movie like this in, like, Terminator is coming. Like, it's very, like, the action hero is kind of more of a thing than it's ever been, and it's interesting to kind of do a period epic through that lens. And I kind of, you know, I was sort of thinking about, you know, not movies about this uh, exact kind of era, obviously, which there seems to sort of be a sparsity of, but, mm. like, stuff like Last of the Mohicans and, yeah. you know, Your Brave Hearts and, like, that kind of, like, surge of... Even something like Gladiator, like, this mm. kind of historical epic. And I feel like, weirdly, this movie movie kind of like a lot of the stuff that you see in movies like that feel very present mm. in this film which is sort of interesting because it really doesn't work in this movie <laughs> like the stuff that he's talking about like the handheld camera and the yeah. like kind of long takes and like it, uh, to me it made the whole thing feel very incoherent like yeah. and everything sort of looked really like the scale wasn't kind of didn't really track the battle scenes were sort of confusing and like I couldn't really tell like and I mean I think this is a, as much of a problem for the plot as it is for the direction that like you're like okay there's a battle going on but I don't know like what significance this battle has who these people are who I should yeah. be rooting for like what this has got to do with anything that is going on in the story and like I can't and like everything seems so small like it sort of looks like everything it's so funny yeah. that you're like his inspiration from this movie came from like looking at little figurines because that's kind of what <laughs> all the action in this movie feels like like he's picking up Donald Sutherland and being like and you go over here and Al comes over here and like they hit each other with their little swords yes. and like that's yeah that's my movie hooray like he sort of sat down in a boardroom and like moved toys around and it's yeah it's not cinematic at all it's really really not it's so flat it's, it's weird. there are like four characters and none of them are fleshed out but like somehow they all interact with each other constantly despite being like in a, in the middle of a war that's across the entirety of America and like they somehow keep finding their way back to each other and then they have these like amazing like reunions and you're like but uh, you haven't interacted in this whole movie like especially with like Lukasz Kinski's character who like every so often pops up and you're like are they in love? When did that happen? Like they... Yeah they, I know yeah. Like, and then you learn that, that she was like added later on and wasn't in the original draft and I'm like mm -hmm, makes sense oh, makes sense oh yeah that does make a lot of sense that was Warner Brothers being like add a girl we need a girl and I'm like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel like it's like, it's interesting actually, because when I was reading about this movie, I found kind of a, like, a lengthy article sort of written by, I assume like, a history professor mm. of some kind, and he was sort of talking about using this movie to teach students about the American Revolution, mm. and being like, well, this movie isn't good, like, I don't think this movie is good, but I think this movie opens up avenues to talk about things which are really important when you talk about the American Revolution, because sure. he was like, the it says, the film has also echoed the ideas of scholars who, from the 1960s onward, have began to write history from the bottom up, focusing on previously marginalised sections of the community, including the working class, women and ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. So, like, this movie is kind of... I think what it's trying to do is, like, have Pacino as this, like, every man, right? Yeah. And, like, be like, he's just an ordinary guy who, like, wants to sell his wares and he yeah. gets swept up in, in this conflict that doesn't care about him and he's just another body for the pile, like, yeah. you know, in this in this war of, like, ultimately, like, it's a... There was there was a great quote, actually, from this academic Maya Janosov who categorises the revolution as a war of ordeals for the majority and a war of ideals for the few, which is, like, very, like, mm -hmm. pithy and precise. Mm -hmm. And, like, totally it, because it's, like, you see the Natasha Kinski character being, like, uh, you know, she's, like, in her stately home, mm -hmm. like, pissing off her mum, who's, like, a British loyalist, and being, like, you know, I want to support the people, and it's, like... This is so clearly, like, a conflict about you, <laughs> yeah, about, like, yeah, people like yeah. you. Like, and, you know, obviously we're kind of on the ground because we're hanging out with, you know, uh, soldiers in, you know, the lit the metaphorical trenches mm -hmm. and, like, you know, that's, like, where we are for most of the movie. We're kind of down and dirty. But, like, it's very clear during those scenes that the kind of struggle being waged is, like, very much about people of her class status rather than of the people who are actually fighting in this conflict. Yeah. And I don't think that the movie is interested in that dynamic at all, especially because of the fact that they have, you know, this love story between the two of them, which seems, like, very antithetical to, like, the ideas of the movie, because Pacino's character is constantly like, I hate this war, like, I don't want anything to do with it, I just want to live my life with my son, like, I really resent... I miss my dead wife. <laughs> yeah, I miss my dead wife, I miss our dead children, I miss... Yeah. When I lived in, you know, the middle of nowhere, like on a boat, yeah. like, I don't know, like, um, yeah. <laughs> I miss trapping, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, surely he should, like, resent everything that she kind of stands for, like, which is this sort of very cushy, like, she's essentially what people would call, like, a champagne socialist, right? Really? Like, she's, yeah, like, really. she's, like, surrounded by Common wealth. people is about her, like... <laughs> Yeah. like I get it like she's coming you know her heart's in the right place but you feel sure. yeah. she feels so detached from like you know what this movie is kind of essentially meant to like be about yeah. or at least what I think this movie wants to be about which is like the fact that like you know in war there are no winners right like that's the like the people yeah. who lose out are the people who are like fighting it right and the people who succeed yeah. are the people who are on top of them but that never feels clear like it never feels well translated and like it gets swept up in this kind of weird gushy patriotism that's sort of strange and like it, it it's such a mess it's so confused because like i feel like at points i'm like oh is this saying something interesting about how like it doesn't make any difference to Al's character whether he's ruled by this Congress or yeah. if he's ruled by the king. And I'm yeah. like, oh, interesting. Are we going somewhere? No, no. Actually, actually, he loves he loves Congress <laughs> and he thinks that the war is a good thing. But then maybe he doesn't because. It, and then I'm just like, God, like what? Completely incomprehensible. You just have no idea where he stands at any given point, and he keeps like changing his mind and like. And it's it's funny that they were like, oh, we needed to add the voiceover in for clarity 
Because at one minute, you know, he's like, oh, this war is a scourge. Like, I just want to see my son. And then he's like, yeah. America is great. I love America. I am a patriot. Like, I am, you know. And then, then he's like, oh, I, I align with, you know, the Native American population and slaves. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> I thought, hang on a minute, man. Like, this doesn't seem... You're a trapper. Like, you clearly don't. Like, dude. You've been making God. a living off the land where these people are from for, like, you know, however long you've been alive, Thomas. Like, yeah. don't give yeah. me that. Like, oh, it's so... The whole thing is so incomprehensible, both in, like, text and in filmmaking. And it's just such a nightmare. <laughs> And you have, like, Al's, like, dulcet 2009 tones, like, whispering into the microphone. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is this is so nice. I'm not listening to a word you're saying, but I love to hear the voice. Like, great. Like, just ASMR of, like, Al Pacino talking about the revolution. And I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, this movie really could have just been, like, an audio book. Like, Al could have, oh, really? you know, just sat really? down and been, like, you know, in the year of 1664, like, just, like, sat down in a little recording booth and, like, read some notes yeah. and it would have been fine. It also totally has the energy of, like, something that was a book, even though it wasn't. Like, it feels like it was, like, a whole series of, like, epic novels and then they turned it into, like, one movie. And I'm like, no, you just made one bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, there wasn't even any source material. You just, like, looked at the American Revolution you were like looks looks good right it's a movie and i'm like it's not a movie it's not a movie it's not at all god. it's so, so boring. boring and i was really worried that it was going to be like oh is this just because we're like awful british people and we're like oh who cares like <laughs> let the americans have their fun like whatever but it's like no you can make compelling i mean <laughs> Yes, but you but can also... make compelling movies about American history. Like I love so many films no, about totally, like totally. not necessarily that exact period of history, but like periods of history adjacent to that. There are so many great movies about like, or at least with the backdrop of the American Civil War. Like there are movies about you know the dawn of America. You know as like a you know white civilization essentially. You know we were talking about First Cow earlier, which I told you I would find a way yeah, to bring up, the best, the best. and like. That movie is so much more incisive about the fact that, like, America is built on uh, conflict and, like, bloodshed that, like, uh, it allows yeah. nobody to thrive unless you, like, you know, churn yourself yeah. through the mill of, like, capitalism and misery and, like, if you are tender-hearted and kind, like, you will just get chewed up and spat out and, like, die in a rock. Like, <laughs> spoilers for First Cow, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler warning! But yeah, like it, you know, there are so many nuanced ways to talk about this kind of thing. And like, this movie is so devoid of nuance in truly every way. And like, I think one of the things that I remember reading when I was looking this up is the fact that like this movie sort of posits that it's like about, you know, the working man and the underclasses and the fact that all these exploited people were essentially, you know, lined up and shot at, like for the sake of, you know, a, a war of, of privilege, basically. Yeah. And this movie is almost entirely devoid of black people. There are, like, no black people in this movie whatsoever. And the handful of native people that are in this movie yep. are enemies! Like, we are meant to see them as threats! And it's like, yep. how can you yep. possibly... Like, how tone-deaf can something be to, like, be like, oh, this movie is about the fact that the underclasses are being trodden on by, like, <laughs> civilization and like The underclasses of, like, Scottish men. Like, great, <laughs> yeah. great. 
underclass maybe in Britain at that time, but like, I don't know, man. And like, <laughs> he's on. clearly been fine up until this point. Like, he has his boat, he has his trapping business, like, he has his son next to Fletcher, like, he's clearly <laughs> doing okay. My son and partner HW. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about There Will Be Blood instead. Oh, great, great, great. Let's talk about Daniel Day-Lewis movies. Another great movie about, like, the failures of, like, American, American. you know... Ah, oh, truly, anything but this. <laughs> the problem, I think, like, it's trying to have all of the things at once. Like, it's trying to be like, oh, it's a story of, like, a working-class guy, but it's like, okay, so why is he in every important battle of the American Revolution? And why is he, like, you know, why does he keep running into the same people? And why isn't he dead? Like, why does he survive? Like, it's just this, like, kind of epic thing while also trying to be, like, a small character story or whatever. But there's no character, like, there's no, like, I don't believe that any of these people like each other or have any attachment to each other. Yeah, I know. It's really strange, especially the love story, because the Natasha Kinski character, like, the first time we meet her, she's like... (laughs) She's like, fuck you, man, sign up for the war. And he's like, I don't want to. And she's like, ah, and like starts throwing <laughs> stuff at him. And it's like, ah, yeah. And then later on in the movie, he's like, ah, my shining star, my beacon of American patriotism. And you're like, what? He's like, ah, a woman, the symbol of America. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What oh, does yeah, that mean? Oh, an aristocratic mean? woman. That's exactly what America is about. <laughs> yeah, like, perfect. Great, great. I mean, probably, yes, that is what America's about. But like, you know. Yeah, truly. But, like, not in, you don't want to be saying that. Uh, no, it's just exactly. bad. And you definitely don't want to be saying it in your sincere voiceover <laughs> that you add to the movie, you know, 20 years later. Like, yeah. don't do that. Just, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's in, you know, and it's so interesting that this movie came out when it did, you know, with that context of, like, 1980s American, like, action cinema and whatnot. Its action is so limp. Like, it's really not exciting to watch at all, this movie. None of the... And I know that that's kind of, like... (laughs) I think the issue is kind of that war of that period was like so quaint and like just wasn't cinematic in a in an interesting way yeah, right just walking around with like a pointy stick like <laughs> and then like when they all like the first scene where like the british army come out and they're all like playing their little instruments and you're like oh this is so cute when donald sutherland is like you can't fight a war without drummer boys and i'm like are you sure <laughs> what purpose do they serve I mean, Sutherland's like on one in this movie, right? Like, he's kind of, when he's like, the scenes he's in, he's like bringing it home. Like, good for you, Don, honestly. It's insane. I do think that, like, part of this is like, it is a very British movie to me. Like, yeah, which is so weird. Kinds of trashy British movies that were being praised by the Academy at that time as, like, oh, it's amazing. It's so, like, dramatic and and lit uh, and literary and whatever it is and i'm like no it's just boring like you're just it's just english that's not like the same as being good like i don't know yeah and the fact that we're all like the villains in this story yeah, essentially yeah. right like for an american audience yeah. like we're meant to be like ah the british you know like freedom and yeah. it's so funny that we're recording this on the 4th of july which we really, feels very really... like thematically <laughs> appropriate doesn't it like, yeah it it's does. hysterical the fact that they were like you know it's like oh yeah this random british company is financing this movie so we're gonna film it in like norfolk God, and it just looks like england it just looks it does, like england. it does it looks nothing like america nothing like it at all and they kind of try and get away with it yeah. being, being like oh we're in new england and it's like 
Come now. They're in the Adirondacks, which I've been on a train through like two years ago, and it does not look like England. Like it's like even now, it doesn't look like England. There's all these like open farmlands in this movie, and I'm like, no, it's all forest. What are you talking about? Like this is just not like you've not even tried to find somewhere that's like approximating it. Like I don't know. I have a really long quote that I want to read mm, you, please. which I, I've unfortunately lost the source for, but I just really loved this while I was researching this movie because I was really interested in, like, the fall of Goldcrest Studios mm. and, like, how that kind of related to, like, the British film industry in particular because it's such, you know... Like you say, this movie feels so much like... Almost like, you know, kind of... It has, like, BBC films energy, 100%. you know? Like, it yeah. kind of feels yeah. like something that you would watch, like, in history class. Yeah. You know, yeah. more than sort of being anything, you know, for entertainment value. And I kind of... I stumbled across this, like, paragraph, I think, from a book about, from a book about Derek Jarman, actually, oh, who sure. obviously... An amazing, like, uh, presence in kind of British art and British film. And he's sort of talking about, like, Goldcrest Studios and about, like, the kind of era... Like, the Chariots of Fire kind of era mm. of British filmmaking. And it says that the subsequent titles work to suggest a connection between Thatcherite nostalgia, the heritage industry, the advertising industry, and mainstream British cinema, which at this point had been reinvigorated by the international success of films like Chariots of Fire and A Passage to India, which are, like, exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Ian Forster adaptation, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Forster, but, like... <laughs> exactly. And I think this is taken from a, a German journal, and it says, the title, Admen False Imaging, the New British Cinema Success, reflects German's anger at the celebration of commercial filmmakers, both David Putnam, producers of Chariots of Fire, and Hugh Hudson, the director, had worked, in, had worked in advertising at the expense of more innovative directors like himself, Sally Potter, Ron Pack, and Terence Davis. Mm. In particular, it cites... James Park's book, uh, The New British Cinema, published in 1984, which fails to mention those directors at all, except for Jarman. Mm. Jarman would continue throughout his writings to pour acid on the self-proclaimed British film renaissance, later pointing with some glee to the ironically titled Revolution, <laughs> which led to the collapse of Goldcrest Studios. Quote, Some of your chums sponsored a revolution and lost the renaissance with it. That hurt a little, but who cares? It was another fiasco over the garden wall, and you were busy rewriting history far, far away in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Tell him, Derek. Good, You're the best. Good. We love to see it. <laughs> and that's so true, right? Like, this is, like, a couple of advertising guys being, like, this is what, like, movies should be, right? Like, this is, you know, this is the kind of film you can make in Britain, mm -hmm. right? Like, we've got period sweep and, yeah. like character actors and we've got you know all this wonderful like you know these rich deep sources of history that you can pull from yeah. and like <laughs> this movie kind of it gestures towards all of those things and never considers a way to use them that is like even moderately engaging <laughs> at any point <laughs> i do think that like movies like this these kinds of overblown like ridiculous dramatic things that were made in this country in the 80s like it is a good thing that we got it out of our system to an extent, and then the kinds of movies like Derek Jarman and Terrence Davis were making, like, continued. Like, you could then, and, like, people like Mike Lee and stuff like that could kind of come up in the, like, early 90s, I think early 90s, and, like, at least we got over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, at least, Oh, like, yeah, 100%, We right? had to do the same thing that, like, Hollywood did in the 40s or whatever, and or go, like, full force into a Cleopatra movie and be like, fuck, we fucked up, fuck, fuck, like, let's do something different, like, I don't know. 
Yeah, and it's it's really interesting that like that you're right. Like that's the kind of movie that we just don't like make anymore. Mm. Like the big movies that come out of the UK are like James Bond, and that's kind of a that's essentially a US co-production at this point, right? It's like yeah. it's um, I was gonna say it's Warner Brothers, but it's not Warner Brothers. It's um, or is it Lionsgate? What? No, it's I think you're. Is that crazy? Um, MGM. It's MGM. MGM. It's MGM. Yeah, thank you. Which is now uh, owned by Amazon, right? Is it Amazon? Yeah. Great. Hooray! <laughs> wonderful. Another thing. The film industry is dying. Yeah. Um. Wonderful. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's kind of like the big. You know, for a while it was Harry Potter, right? But that's kind of like it, really. The scope of like what British filmmaking is, or what it is when I think of British filmmaking, is so much more yeah. in line with, like, the people who weren't being talked about in this era, right? Like, that kind of, you know, the British realism and, like, you know, stuff, you know, that is so much more small and contained and, like, looks towards a more, you know, a more social realist environment rather than Mm -hmm. these great big, like, sweeping British epics, which, like, just don't exist anymore. And I suppose that's... We have those, like, the King's Speech, but that's not an epic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's our kind of, like, equivalent thing now, I guess, would be those kinds of, like... The crowny dramas, right? Exactly, yeah. But so we were just making the same movie, like, over and over again about a different war, (laughs) and I'm like, great. (laughs) And because, yeah, that's kind of it, right? Like, the British war movie is sort of like... Like, I think that's always going to be a well that people are going to want to farm from, right? Like, we had 1917 a couple years ago, and, like, Dunkirk a couple years before that. Like, I think that's always going to be fertile ground for movies from this country, and, like, fair enough, you know? And if you do it well... You know, I kind of like both those movies in, like, a passing sense, you know? I mean, everything is IP now, right? And that's obviously, like, a bigger issue. But the fact is that, like, this kind of... The historical epic essentially just doesn't exist anymore, right? Like, we just don't make that anymore. And I think every now and then someone kind of tries to do it, but it just never... It just... People don't care. Like, and there aren't, you know, that many ways to do a story like this, I don't think. Unless you have a really specific take on it. That's the thing. I feel like they were just like, let's make a movie about the Revolutionary War. And I'm like, okay, but what's your, like, the... Like, what's your point? Like, why are you... What are you trying to say with it? Like, there's, there's... If there's no, like, statement that you're making, then what's the point in making the movie like just to be like the war happened and I'm like great I did know that already though like you haven't told me anything any new information here like and it's not real people it's you know (sighs) yeah yeah like if it was a slice of life movie set like with that context as background you know you kind of see that in in plenty of movies you know especially I think with like movies about the American Civil War like that's a really fertile backdrop for a film I think and I think this you know, uh, with the right context could be, but it's just not interested in kind of... It sort of gestures towards being interested in these things, but it never, like, decides to kind of delve in any of them. Like, I could not tell you a single thing about the motivations or the interests of any of these characters aside from, like... (laughs) Like, you picture it just, like, being like, in brackets on their screenplay or whatever, right? It being, like, you know... This is Tom Dodd, I think his name is, right? He's you know, 45, he loves his dead wife. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, great. That's my jumping off point. I'm Al Pacino and I have an unfathomably 80s haircut. (laughs) There are so many anachronistic hair choices happening in this film that I just can't even... 
He looks so silly, man. He like, looks, so silly. And it's, like, silly. lightened slightly, which is wor- like, <laughs> yeah. makes it even worse. They're, like, trying to be like, oh, he's, he's like, ginger. He's Scottish. And I'm like, mm, mm, with that nose, are you sure? Like, it's just, like, I thought it was a wig for, like, five minutes. And I'm like, no, it's just really bad hair. It like, does look like a wig. I kind of, I think in the poster, I thought he had, like, one of those trapper hats yeah, on. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's just his hair. <laughs> they should have just put him in a hat like it would have been fine he yeah, like you know yeah. one of those like fluffy you know the hats great i would love to see that yeah make it even more of a comedy it'd be great like he's got such a long history of hat wearing <laughs> like he would have been fine <laughs> give the man a hat like he knows what to do with it but like this movie opens and he's like wet <laughs> like he's just very wet for the first kind of 10 minutes of this movie like he's just walking around yeah. like soaked in like his shirt is like sticking to him and i'm like is this meant to be like uh, is this meant to be horny because he be just looks great. kind of like what if this was just like al pacino is so hot the movie and i'd be like great thank you like i'm like this. surely this movie should actually be like Natasha Kinski is like a royalist and like he's you know a, like an American and like they have to like overcome their differences by you know having lots of sex yeah exactly <laughs> right like this movie should be like a a love story that defies boundaries surely like I guess that would make it slightly yeah not even interesting but at least you know you get to watch like two sort of attractive people kiss each other for a bit something. right That'd like be something yeah do they even kiss in this movie? I zoned out so completely. I like I didn't even notice if they did. So I think she like kisses his cheek. They have a very chaste moment. Yeah, exactly. The screenwriter wrote a scene in which they have sex in a field in front of Ned. <laughs> in front of Ned? Like just going oh, at it and, no. and they cut that. Yeah. And he's like just like sitting there like baffled and I'm like, Yeah, I'm glad you cut that, but like what? I yeah, I mean at least like if they hadn't cut that it might have like given us something interesting to talk about. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like the metaphor of that, you know, it's a choice. Like it's a it's a choice. Yeah. It's a decision that somebody made. <laughs> I've got some notes about the like pro- actual production and Yeah, um... totally. Well he got sick, right? Like that's the main thing that Gosh, I took yeah, away. He got flu and was just like in and out oh. of like various I mean he was put up in these like beautiful rooms by Goldcrest because it's Britain and you have to put people in castles um, <laughs> and and that didn't help and he was just like leaving hamburgers all over the place like he was just like not respecting the space that they'd put oh, him in ow. he's in like a national trust property and he's just like <laughs> throwing garbage around and they're like these Americans my god he's like got into character and he's like I'm, I'm an American I must <laughs> revolt against the British (laughs) yeah so he had flu a lot which is not great because they kept obviously they were filming in England so it rained all the time and they're trying to film outside and this guy is like I mean he's he's from New York he spends his life in an apartment like he doesn't know what weather is (laughs) he wears so many layers at all times like he is (laughs) exactly he didn't have his like customary eight scarves on so of course he's gonna get a cold (laughs) um and apparently Natasha Kinski was just a nightmare as well, but that's also one of those things where I'm like, is this misogyny or was she actually a nightmare? Because it seems like Al was also a horrible nightmare to work with. So like, Yeah, I get the impression that like one of the stories I read about this movie that was like at one point, 
it was so miserable when they were shooting like exterior scenes the extras just like walked off and left like people were like yeah, yeah we can't like we're not working in these conditions so they yeah. like went and found people living in Norfolk and just like dressed them up and got them to be extras instead <laughs> so that makes me like yeah actually I think if your lead is like has pneumonia and yeah. your extras are walking off like Natasha Kinski can be a bitch if she wants like yeah, I feel exactly, like she can kind exactly. of like she's past Kinski's daughter like let yeah. her be yeah. miserable <laughs> she could be like a slight nightmare if her dad is Klaus Kinski like <laughs> yeah. you know she inherited a tiny bit of it oh I'm so sorry but you know she also had a cold and apparently every time they were trying to film scenes together like one or the other had a cold like they kept like having like <laughs> incompatible illnesses that's so miserable oh my they, god they both look everyone in this movie just looks like I mean slightly sick understandably yeah. looks like they're having a horrible time because like <laughs> it's not a good time to be alive but like you know I just yeah yeah everyone yeah they do all look diseased like the, the Pauline Kale review of this movie describes Kinski as having like <laughs> per- perpetually like wet eyes like she just looks damp for the entire runtime of the movie and she does even when she's like inside and like she skewers a man's dick with a flag at one point which is pretty good which like is great. that I enjoyed yeah, like <laughs> more like upper class hijinks in this movie might have been might have made great. it slightly yeah, more enjoyable great. but yeah no she she does like she gets a really rough deal in this movie like he calls her Joan of Arc at yeah. one point like he refers to her I as know. like this oh. patriot like this heroine of like Joan of Arc of New York and I'm like what are you talking about? She did nothing. And she's British. Like, what's going on? Just... It's just really, it's it's so weird. And I do admire this this story for, like, being like, well, you know, there, there, there were women involved in this conflict too. Like, it wasn't just, like, you know, a battle of men. And this is something that you and I talk about a lot when it's like, I don't want to have more women in a movie if they're going to be underwritten and uninteresting. Like, yep. that's... Like, yep. I don't care about that. If you only know how to write men, then write men. Like, I don't no, give a exactly. shit if there's no women in your movie, if you're not going to make them human beings. Like, and she's just like... She's like manic pixie dream nationalist, right? Like, she's <laughs> just like... She just you know. like she is so wholesome and good and like she's such a little fighter and like she's always like yeah. flinging herself around the battlefield and like wearing lots of incredibly impractical outfits. I gotta yeah. say, like she's always got like a sash on. Like yeah, she's like a suffragette. And you're like, what is going? Yeah, on? <laughs> and you just you know you wonder why she like clings to sort of like her family keep being like, oh, you're bringing shame onto us. Like I think her name is Mary, right? Um, mm. Like they're bringing shame onto us, Mary, and like you know we're gonna kick you out. Like we we're just like nice British people, and we want to live in our homes and tell all <laughs> these Americans to fuck off. And like you know, but she keeps kind of like humoring them. And it's like I think if she really like was fully committed to this cause, she'd just like peace out and like go and you know tend wounds on a battlefield or something. You know, have more of a role. She kind of keeps like she feels like she's between two worlds. And then she yeah, yeah. somehow you know, ends up, like, forging this bond with this guy who she has very little FaceTime with throughout the entirety of the movie. Like, at the point where, like, she, like, puts him off on a boat to go, like, to go and find his son, right? I think, and then she's, like, Mm -hmm. she's just, like, looking fondly at him as he, like, paddles (laughs) away, and you're, like, wait... But what happened? Like, how did how did you suddenly decide you were incredibly fond of this man? Because like nothing he has done thus far has like you're both just like symbols to each other, right? Like he's yeah. this you know working class American hero who's like fighting for the right reasons, and she's this like you know beautiful rebel goddess Joan of Arc who's <laughs> like you know 
going against her birthright to like you know liberate a nation and it's just like i don't think you guys have ever had like a conversation about it. does she know you have a dead wife i don't think she does <laughs> It's important character detail that he doesn't know about. It is. It's the only character detail. It's so important. He talks <laughs> about his dead wife so often. No, but that's the thing of this movie. It feels like like the whole thing. Like it's it feels like a mini series, like a BBC mini series that they then cut down for television. And they like I've already said this with the book thing, but like they just cut out like any scenes where characters talk to each other or like have a personality or totally. anything. And, like, have left in all of the, like, weird scenes, like, where Al has to be the fox for a hunt for some reason for, like, five whole minutes. Like I did, like, Loki enjoy that conceptually. I was like, okay, I this mean, is kind of... <laughs> this is, like, something, it's, it's something. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. After they, like, cut away from various battles, like, at one point you see Al, like, go off to battle and then you cut and he's, like, lying wounded. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> We don't see. Do you think that's just it. because he didn't like want to do battle scenes? He was like, I can't, like, look at me, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to fight anybody. Probably. Probably. This does feel like one of those things where, like, maybe about about the second disaster, they probably should have just been like, all right, let's just let's try this again another time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll try in, like, five years, maybe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll see. We'll, like, give it some breathing space. Maybe could use yeah. another pass, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should actually write the script. That might be a start, like. <laughs> yeah, put some characters in this bad boy. Like, yeah. we got some room. Yeah. This thing could be three hours long if we wanted it to be. <laughs> Slaps roof of movie. This could have fit so many characters in it. Um, that's a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I do have a quote from Hudson about... Okay, so they wanted... He, he had this idea of it being a silent movie epic, which, like... Okay. okay. Um, and he said, I see this. I see the film as having no conventional story, no direct narrator where two, three, or even four of the characters dominate the story. The main characters we do have are swept up in the rebellion, and that is their story. They give up their private story to the collective. Great. Interesting movie. Thanks. I would love yeah. to see. Yeah. Great. That's not what you made, though. Like, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's not. And, like, the fact that it, you know, the fact that when he goes back and fixes it, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess the voiceover yeah. is the thing that we need to tie this thing together. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> I guess it, Al is the main character. Yeah. Like, I guess it is just about him. Yeah. And no one else gets any interiority at all. Yeah. Like, it's and he just... barely, like, barely gets interiority. No, I mean, yeah. Like, a tiny weeny little bit. He just gets to talk about, like, what does liberty mean? And I'm like, what? Yeah, and that he loves his son. That doesn't seem like something you care about. It feels like, you know, that at some point he did have, like, a clear vision for this movie, evidently. But it just... And I do understand yeah. that, like, a level of studio interference is going to fuck that for you, however you cut it, right? Like, that's sure. the story of so sure. many movies. You know, you go in being like, oh, well, I want to make this thing. And, like, you know, Warner Brothers or whoever is like, ah, ah, ah. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, We need exactly, kissing yeah. and we need fighting and we need a portal in the sky. So, like, if you haven't got those <laughs> things, like... Off your pot. Yeah. But, like, it just seems so... But the way he talks about it just makes me think, like, he just has no idea. Like, he's just a hack. Like, it just makes him sound like a hack. Like, I don't know. Like, he's talked so, like, pretentiously about this thing, and he's like, oh, we can't... Oh, there was a thing about, like, they wanted to kill off Donald Sutherland's character, like, actually kill him off on screen. And he's like, oh, no, we can't do that, because Donald Sutherland's character is England. We have to send him back to England... Because England just leaves. Like, England doesn't die. England leaves. Just, and I'm like... Yeah. 
Oh dear. And I'm like, okay, buddy, but are you really working in this kind of like aggressive metaphor, like for your movie that is already about this? Like, you could make another movie that's about the Revolutionary War and have a character representing Britain, but like, he's already a British soldier. Like, you don't have to be like, he's England. Like, what? What? He is all of England. He could just be a guy. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, if you can't, like, make that thematic leap yourself, like, if you're not like, oh, yeah, you know, well, like, I guess this yeah. guy represents the views of, like, the wider country, then you're clearly, like... And, I mean, I love Donald Sutherland, right? But, like, there's only so much the man can do yeah. here. You know, he's got, like, a stern voice and, like, a thing on his face and he kind of looks, like, somber. But, like, <laughs> that's that's it. And it's so funny because the other, like, main British guy in the movie, right, it's Richard O'Brien. He's doing bits. He's, L- like, literally like ri- <laughs> Literally, like, yeah, Riff Raff from Rocky <laughs> Horror is being like, Hello, <laughs> British soldiers! Let's hunt them for sport what what and you're like wait okay he's wearing makeup in every scene and i'm like great 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 this is great make this movie crazy you're like Like, where did you come from sir like in this incredibly somber (laughs) miserable like mud drenched movie and he's like oh let's tie the americans together and i shall hunt them with my rifle you're like what? Oh great. God. It's great. I love... So I, yeah, that's, like, why the the only reason I sort of, like... It's a shame that that hunting, like, hunting people sequence went on for, like, 20 minutes. Like, the <laughs> longest thing I've ever seen. Because, yeah. like, I did kind of find the quiet music just being like, oh, yeah, I guess, like... It's fine, yeah. I guess if we're gonna, like, show the British to be ridiculous, which, like, you know, true, like, fine. I'm happy with that as a depiction. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least make it sort of, you know, thread the needle. Like, keep everyone silly the entire time like I don't want you know Donald Sutherland's like weird relationship with like his like American page boy to like be sort of oh my god it's so tonally all over the place that stuff there was at one point where like the lord like asked the boys into his room and and Donald Sutherland is like oh he wants someone to clean his boots and I'm like is that a thinly veiled like innuendo for something horrible (laughs) like what is happening here like I don't like this yeah, it's weird. Like, the Sun character in this movie is so, like... It's so transparently just, like, a, a plot device to, like, get yeah. him from A to B, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> He has to follow his son across the country. Like, okay. You're like, I guess. Yeah. But it's so funny that it's like, okay, well, clearly this boy is, like... I don't know how old he's sort of supposed to be in, like, the first half of the movie. I think 14, but I'm not sure. The pre-Dexter Fletcher part yeah. of this movie... <laughs> That's how I think of it. It's pre and post Dexter yeah, Fletcher. Yeah. As, as are all things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. The history of filmmaking <laughs> is both pre and post Dexter Fletcher. Exactly. You know, he's clearly young in, like, the, you know, opening mm. scenes of this movie and, like, the, the inciting scenes. But, like, yeah. okay, well, you're like, well, clearly he's, like, he's conscious enough of, like, how he feels politically to be like, oh, I'm going to sign up to join the army. And, like, he wants to do something. Like, he's not yeah. like he's, like, clinging to his dad with, like, his every sort of fibre of being and being like, oh, no, father, don't let them take me away. Like, he's, like... <laughs> Trying to do something, right? Yeah. And, like, the movie yeah. ends with him, like, growing up and, like, getting a wife and, like, you know, going off to do whatever it is that they do. A wife that doesn't say a single word in the No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, not even once. Not even a... Not even, like, she doesn't even have, like, a hello, Al Pacino. Like, she's just like... <laughs> 
I'm here, I'm wife, hello. Like, she just materialises. And you're like, oh, great, yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. I guess he has a wife now. I don't know how you found time to, to secure a wife amidst this war. Like... No, no. One just materialises when you reach the end of your story. It's actually um, a little known <laughs> fact. It's, it's like the end of um, Return of the Jedi. Like, you just get like presented <laughs> with a medal. <laughs> it's like, and here is your wife. <laughs> You did it. Everyone give him a round of applause. Thank you. Yeah, little, like, <laughs> guys start dancing. It's great. <laughs> it just, so you're like, okay, well, clearly he has the agency to, like, try and do something in this context, and he knows that he sort of wants to, you know, you get the impression he, he's not, like, jazzed about it, but, like, you know, you have to go and, like, enlist. It's not like he was drafted. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And then instead of kind of, it's not like the father and son relationship is kind of even sort of... There's no, like, push and pull between the two of them. There seems to be no, like, exterior relationship outside of, like, son loves dad and dad loves son. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, like, great, okay. Like, does does son have any feelings about the war that he's just been drafted into? Does he have any feelings about the fact that his dad is following him across the country? <laughs> like, seeing him from childhood to adulthood? Is this a, is this a teenage rebellion? Like, yeah, like, you, uh, you know... know what is the context is of this? Is there anything? Like, God. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any feelings about any of this, boy? And you're just like, nope, he has n- truly nothing at all. Like, at one point you think he's going to die, and then you're like, nope, guess not. And it just, nothing at all. Like, yep. there's no interesting dynamics on show here in any of the characters. No. Like, it, you know, again, to go back to the idea that the director thought that this was going to be this, like, great sweeping kind of shortcut-style narrative of, like, four disparate souls, like, caught up in the midst <laughs> of this big, you know, crazy war yeah. we live in, like, and then for none of them to have any personality whatsoever and no kind of interpersonal relationships whatsoever, it's like, what do you have left? And it's like, oh, I guess it's a war movie. It's like, yeah, but the war isn't compelling. Nothing interesting is happening here. All the fighting is, like, mushy and bad it just oh god and i don't know what any of these battles are i don't know who's winning yeah i don't know who any of the guys are i don't ever see yeah. george washington not that i have to <laughs> but just like i don't know what's going on man i don't know who's making decisions like i don't know anything about this war like what are you telling me it's the battle of some field and i'm like thanks that means absolutely nothing to me like what yeah, you're like, even if this movie had been, like, Forrest Gump of the American Revolution, like, mm. it would have maybe been more interesting, like, Al Pacino's just, like, walking through a field, and he's like, oh, hello, George Washington, and George Washington is like, hey, and he's like, you know, that, that declaration thing sounds sounds pretty good, and he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I think that does sound, that sounds like a good idea, man. He's like, <laughs> he, like, bumps into Alexander Hamilton in the street or something, like, you know, just, like, if there was more history to this thing, but it all yeah. feels so vague and so, like, mushy. And There's that bit at the end where he's, like, where the guy's like, oh, Congress is coming, and, and I was like, when's Congress coming? And he's like, Congress is coming, and I was like, when, though? And I'm like, what is going on? Is Congress coming? Is Congress not coming? What is this? What is Congress? Is Al going to walk up to, like, Ben Franklin and be like, what the fuck, man? I don't even know if Benjamin Franklin was involved in this, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just... I have actually... I have played Assassin's Creed 3, which is set during the American War of Independence. And um, 
it's better than this at like sending you off on missions to do with actual people. Like you hang out with, with Benjamin Franklin quite a lot. Like it's like actually involved, but like, and also George, like they're not all painted as like heroes. Everyone play Assassin's Creed. Thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, like if they, you know, they should just keep making the Assassin's Creed movies, right? Like clearly that's the answer. We need more of those oh, bad God. boys. <laughs> yeah. Masterpieces. Absolute masterpieces. Yeah. Truly, famously. Friends Gleason vehicles. Um, Who else? Fassbender, right? <laughs> Fassbender and Gleason. And, I mean, hey, great cast, right? What can you do? Marion Cotillard. Ah, Jeremy of course, Cotillard. <laughs> My goodness. Well. Great. Glad, glad I did that sidetrack. So. <laughs> yeah, Assassin's Creed. Me too. I mean, because like, clearly that proves that there is a way to make stories about this period of history and have them yeah. be interesting. Yeah. And I think the other thing yeah. is, I worried while I was watching this, was like, oh, is this just because I know absolutely nothing about this period of history? Mm. But it's like... If your movie is failing to set that table for me, then it's not going to work, like, at all. Especially considering the fact that this movie was made, you know, largely by a British studio. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like its gaze extends kind of beyond, you know, people who, like, have read books about this shit, right? Like, it's not like Baby's first American Revolution movie. Like, it's so... No. It's so dense, and like the the history is yeah. not clear, the timelines aren't clear, and I suppose that it's kind of it's clearly like trying to do sort of a thematic thing where it's like, oh, well, when he returns to wherever he is at the end of the movie, after the you know, it looks the same. Like essentially, the streets are being run yeah. by you know a different kind of government, but it's still a government, and like the underclasses are still being oppressed. Um, you know, you wouldn't know it because everybody is white and like fine, but like, and Al Pacino you know. and the voiceover is like, and and we found liberty in America. Five seconds after, he's like, this sucks. <laughs> Everyone was fine, and there were no slaves or just anything. Yeah. Like we yeah. were all, it was yeah. all great from here on. No problems at all. We did it, guys. Yay. We did it. America fixed. Hooray. <laughs> Just, oh boy, oh boy. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it has no, like, nothing. This movie is just like <laughs> soup. It's just like goo. Like, I, I feel like I can only describe it as like wet things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No structure, no form, just like. Slime. Yeah. Slime. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. What else can we talk about? Like, what? Uh, I don't know. You seen anything good lately, Maddie? Like, you want to just catch up? Like, <laughs> uh, I actually haven't really. I haven't really been watching movies since I got home. So maybe, maybe this is like gonna kickstart me into watching something good to replace it. I watched The Outsiders yesterday. That was pretty good. Tom Cruise is my friend. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Tom Cruise! Belated yeah, birthday, Thomas Cruise. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't and that's interesting as well because Cruise has like. What's the Tom Cruise movie where he does like, uh, like a pe- the Tom Cruise like period? Is it Last Samurai? I th- see. My brain went Last Samurai, but I feel like there's something else. I gotta look it up now. Maybe yeah. that's like what we should talk about. Like, what is this kind of? What does this? Because this is the movie that flops so bad. Al gives up on making movies. That's uh, yeah. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah. Which yeah. Tell. Give yeah. us some context of that while I look up whatever Tom Cruise movie I'm thinking of. <laughs> Well, so the thing with this movie was what, like, it was. It seemed like kind of a disaster, but they were going to edit it over a few months and then they, they were going to do some ADR to, like, fix some stuff. 
so they rushed it. They rushed the edit, and they rushed it to the extent that like they basically half finished the movie. Like they needed another six months to edit it that they didn't get given because Goldcrest were running out of money, and the other two movies they had in production, which were The Mission and Absolute Beginners, weren't anywhere near finished. So they had to get it out. And they rushed it to Christmas at Christmas because they wanted to get it for the Oscars as well, which is like, you did not watch oh, yeah. this movie before you <laughs> made that call. Um, but, and Al has said like about that, he says, um, you get upset when you make, when you move into your house and it doesn't have a kitchen, which. <laughs> That's good. True. True. <laughs> good line, Al. Um, sad. Yeah, he seems pretty aware of what went wrong with this, but like, I think he hasn't really grasped that the things that went wrong were going wrong before the studio rushed them like i don't think like as much as they tried to rescue it in this like 2009 version like it's still not i mean that's the version we watched and it still sucks like it's not uh just because of the editing like it's because the movie is terrible and doesn't have a focus and all of that but um yeah so after this he he went straight into making a film called the local stigmatic which was um financed by him and he made it himself and didn't put it out until like 90s or maybe more recently than that um, and it's only on, like, DVDs or whatever it is, like, and it's just, like, he's doing, like, a Cockney accent in it. We're going to have a hard time finding it. I think it's on YouTube, but, yeah. I was about to say, how are we going to yeah. find and this? And I'm not really I'm sure like... if we should do it, like, next week since he made it then, or if we should, like, <laughs> wait until the actual No, release. we should do yeah, it when it, yeah. like, when it's yeah. released, um, you know? Anyway, which is just, like, it's, like, a play that he did, and then he decided to make, like, a little movie of it, and he said that that was his, like, direct reaction to this, like that he wanted to just make something himself with his with control over everything and like I do think part of the problem on this movie is that he's getting to the point where he is such a movie star that he can't be directed yeah and and he yeah. won't like give himself over to the movie which to an extent like like he just wants to have control over I think like his like public persona and the perception of him and like his career in a way that he but he doesn't have the filmmaking skills do you know what I mean like he doesn't have the the right instincts because he doesn't know how to make films like he doesn't know how movies are made he just knows how to act so he shows up and he's like oh I don't understand like I'm not being used in this scene or like I don't understand what you're what you want me to do here and it's like okay maybe just like something else is happening around you it's not just your performance that matters here so yeah but I mean and then learn how to make movies like by making the local stigmatic and some other stuff later and like I don't know I I feel like he needed this kind of big blowout so then you can come back and do kind of like you don't have to be the guy anymore like you don't have to be like Al Pacino number one on the call sheet like I make all the decisions about my, like, public persona and stuff like that. Like, you can just do some fun stuff and, like, make Dick Tracy and, you know, all of that. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah, You totally. don't have to be, yeah, the movie star in yeah. everything. But, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really strange movie for him because it feels so, like, he feels so absent from it and it kind of... Yeah. You know, even though he's going big, like, this is not, like, a restrained yeah. performance for him, you know, especially when we think about what we've seen him in since, you know, since the beginning of this podcast. Like, he is, you know, he is so much of a underplayer, kind of, in the earlier stuff mm. that he does. And mm. this movie is so, like, everything is external, but it's just not registering. Like, it's just... No. It feels like... It's like he's phoning this in, and I understand that he's, like, yeah. sick. Like, it's sort of not his fault. Like, he's, you know... I'm sure I wouldn't be a good performer if I had pneumonia. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. there's only but so still. much the man can do, but, <laughs> you know, I think that it's... You're right that he kind of lacks the self-awareness to sort of go, actually, like, this is not working for me on, in any 
level, yeah. right? Like, Or even to be, like, looking at the movie and be like, this is not what I should be in. Like, to have an understanding of the kind of actor he is and be like, all right, why would you cast Al Pacino, one of the most contemporary actors in this movie, which is calling for, like, I don't know, either, like, big camp, ridiculous acting or, like, incredible naturalism to the point where, like, you disappear into the movie, neither of which he can do. Like, I mean, maybe he could, you know, with a better director than this, but, like, uh, I don't know, th- th- he lacks understanding of, of how he should be used in things or, like, what his actual skills are, and he's just kind of just, like, got that ego thing of being, like, oh, yeah, it's a big budget, whatever, it's a big movie, I can star in that and we'll beef up the role and whatever it is, and it's, like, okay, but you can't, like, fix a bad movie, like, you can't, like, I don't know, by sheer force of will, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's really interesting because, like... You know, uh, The Godfather is a sens- ostensibly a period film, right? Like, we That's kind of forget it, yeah. right? Yeah, It's very yeah, easy to yeah, forget yeah. it because it has so much, like... Uh, there is such a history in its, like, mm. storytelling, I think. It's a movie that feels so timeless and so that it's very mm. easy, you know, to slot somebody in. Like, I think, you know, a lot of the performers in those... Like, I think James Caan is an actor who, like, is very can be very modern in context. Mm. Like, in something like Thief, he feels completely at home in the time period and like you know Robert De Niro like right like you know he's Travis Bickle Mm. like it's like and then they like fling him all the way back to you know uh, turn of the century New York and like he fits right in like it's I don't think that it's sometimes I kind of I struggle with the idea of like this actor XYZ like can't do period dramas or period films Mm. because they have like a modern look and like I think that that Mm. is a a reasonable critique for a lot of performers but I also think that if you're doing if you're telling a story in the right way if you're like using that actor in a way that complements their skill set it should be less of a problem I think yeah I was just thinking about Age of Innocence and how like yeah. I have seen people complain that like Michelle Pfeiffer is badly cast in that movie and I'm like no she's perfect like nothing could be more perfect than yeah. this like yeah. it's just yeah. and I can I could see she has a modern face like she's got that like little tiny nose and she's got the you know she just looks modern but also it works in that movie like because it's well made like you can you can cast people well yeah and yeah like not to be funny but like Winona Ryder is like the most kind of 90s like uh, you know hot girl of that it girl of that period like you know yeah and like you put her in a bonnet and she's fine like you know it's you know when we think of her as a performer we think of her you know Heather's Beetlejuice etc like you don't you know I mean obviously like we both love the age of innocence and so we think of her in that as well but But you know the cultural idea of Winona Ryder is very much situated reality bites yeah Yeah, exactly in that period of like the Johnny Depp period right like yeah yeah and I think that I mean is this kind of his only period piece right like this is the time he kind of goes further back than like the 20th century right other than like doing Shakespeare I imagine yeah well yeah because he's done Merchant and Furnace movie so that would be before but mm-hmm. um yeah I'm pretty sure I'm like trying to think but I don't think there's anything like there's obviously like 20th century stuff um but I think this is otherwise the earliest Thing that he and he fits fine in twentieth century like that's yeah he does and like not a stretch. I imagine he's a very good performer when he's doing Shakespeare as well like I think that we'll you see. can <laughs> yeah I guess we will see but I like imagine that you know it's not like he like I don't like you know picture him reading Shakespeare dialogue and be like oh this seems weird like why is he you no, know yeah 
I mean, I, I, to be fair, I do like sometimes struggle with like Americans doing Shakespeare, <laughs> which is That's I think thing, yeah. more than anything a matter of personal preference. Because I like I love the Lerman Romeo and Juliet, like that's fine. Yeah. But I think you yeah. know I think that movie works in like so many like that movie is a miracle, really. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm such a fan of that movie, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I'm hesitant to just be like, oh, you know, he can't do period. Like maybe he can. But like not like this, because this nobody can exist yeah. in this movie apart yeah. from Richard O'Brien, like going absolutely <laughs> ham. Like he can do what he likes. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the the, the reason that, that Hudson wanted him was this kind of like street rat vibe. Like he wanted the kind of Al Pacino from the from the Bronx, and I'm like, great, great, but he's not that. Like he doesn't have enough of a character to like. If he was playing that, I would be like, perfect, great. Like this is f- good casting in that case. But like. Yeah, it's, if it's he not... had a bit more attitude, like, just, like, a slight, yeah. you know, air of, like, just anything, you know? Just any kind of yeah. motivation. Like, I never, other than, like, love son, love's dead wife, <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, like, what? Like yeah. what is your yeah. role in any of this? Like, I'm not asking him to, like, come down on a side, but I like to think that no, he has... No, but... Yeah. Like an opinion, you know, right? Yeah. Like on the wall. Or like is... a reason to make a decision. Yeah. To not make a decision. Yeah, like absolutely. A reason that, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking about about the mission again. I'm thinking about De Niro in the mission. And he is so well cast in that because he both has the kind of look, like he looks a bit Spanish and all of that kind of thing. And he like suits the kind of long hair and the shirts quite well. But also like... I bet he does. And this guy is supposed to start out in this, like, very intense, like, loner, and, and it is a character piece. Like, it's about him, like, changing his mind and, like, becoming a Christian and, like, becoming more gentle. And, like, you actually have something to play. Like, there's actually, like, a character change in it. Like, there's an arc, which this movie is just, like, his arc is, like, he eventually decides that uh, America is good, maybe? Or maybe he doesn't. Like, I don't know. It's man. never clear. This movie sounds a lot like or, silence. Or, like, I guess his arc... Sorry, that's a tangent. Yeah, it is really. It really does have silence vibes. Yeah, it totally does. It's not as good. Not anywhere near as good as silence. But yeah, it totally has that vibe. I love silence. What a great movie. Silence is so great. I really need to rewatch it. Nobody talks enough about how good silence is. Like it's I, the best. It's so like we have done like late period Marty such a disservice mm. in just not talking mm-hmm. about how great silence is. I know. Silence is so good. <laughs> So good. So good. Every time Marty goes like real, real Catholic. (laughs) I mean, I know that movie isn't Catholic, but like real Christian. I'm like, yes. Oh yeah. Give me more, more. (laughs) It's so good. Last Temptation of Christ is still like so great. Like it's so good. And like similarly. Andrew Garfield, not a period guy, right? Totally, like Andrew totally, Garfield yeah. played Spider Man. Like we are talking <laughs> about a a very young, like very kind of millennial actor, and like yeah, he's amazing yeah. in that movie. Like he, he's so great, he's yeah. really, really super. Like you know, the two the two leads of that movie are a guy who was Spider Man and a guy who was Kylo Ren. Like it's not like <laughs> yeah, a guy who was in Girls. Like <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you can be the most you can be both, ever. right? Yeah. Like you can yeah. do, you can do that. Like, is this just? Yeah. Have we just found like? Are we just kind of finding a way to talk around the fact that I really don't think that he has re- he doesn't have the range, sweetie? Like, <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe that's what it is. Either he doesn't have the range, or like, he this character is. I think he needs stronger characters than some actors do like some actors can do more with less than he can but he needs 
a lot to work with until he's good. Like, and I think if they'd given him more to work with, he could have probably pulled this off. But, like, there's not anywhere near enough to work with. Like, it's so far away from working that it's kind of, yeah, it's hard to imagine what that would look like, even. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, there's that story about Tony Kushner writing the screenplay for Lincoln and, like, being like, mm. I read, like, 200 biographies on Abraham Lincoln. You're like, I kind of wish Al had read, like, 200 books about the Revolutionary War before making yeah. this movie and yeah. just, like, really gotten into it. Like, even the just, you know, he posits himself as kind of being, you know, a very methodical actor and, like, you don't feel that in this at he's all. He's not a researcher, though. He's he's. I think in the way that, like, I think De Niro is a researcher, but Al is much more like in the character and the emotion of it rather than the like wider. Like he's much more internal than than that, which kind of fails when you're trying to be internal in a movie where like the whole point is what's happening around you, like rather than what's happening to you, like. I don't know. It's just miscast. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. I think ultimately that kind of is it. Like, he is miscast. And I think not necessarily because, like I said, not necessarily because I think he's a modern performer, but because he's just not bringing the mm. right kind of thing to this. Like, who. It's in a. In my picture, exactly, Maddie, it's yeah. 1985, and you're like a. You're a studio exec in at Warner Brothers, like in a suit in your office, like you know, surrounded by like mountains of cocaine, yeah. like your Tony Montana. Um, <laughs> great, like, great. <laughs> who do you put in this movie? Right? Who's the logical choice? Because he wasn't the first choice, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I read that. No, well, Hugh Hudson definitely wanted him, but I think the studio was like looking for someone else. Richard Gere was definitely on the list. There were definitely yeah, but I guess I guess what I would do is I'd be like, who's a handsome guy who can like have a strong jaw and like yeah. look lovingly at his son, and that's kind of all you need from this guy. Like I guess I would. Be, I'm I'm just thinking about like, would I cast Mel Gibson? Like, is that what I'm thinking? Like. I don't like Mel Gibson, but, like, is that kind of the vibe? Like, a Russell Crowe, like, like we were saying, like, Gladiator and all of that? Like, or can we make it more interesting and do something else? But I don't know. Like, I guess as a studio head, I'm just like, who's who's handsome and can sell tickets? Like, <laughs> <laughs> This is like you putting your, like, Disney exec brain on your, like... Exactly, exactly. Like, Chris <laughs> Evans. No. Um... <laughs> handsome guys. Give me handsome guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just need ten handsome guys. Stop. Um, get me the headshots who's dating someone interesting so we can put them in the movie as well yeah I don't know I don't know I don't think I have a good enough grasp on what 1985 movie stars are like do I put Arnie in it like is that what I'm doing like, yeah I'm kind of like looking that up I'm like what was going on Tom Cruise, in this period Cruise. of time right like it's always Tom Cruise it should always be Tom Cruise oh god yeah I mean like 1985, we've got, like... Back to the Future, I guess. <laughs> put, like, Michael J. Fox in this movie. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, not to be funny, but, like, like a Harrison Ford type, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's... Because, like, Ford's not exactly, like, Tony, right? Like, he's not, you know, he's a, he's a big enough guy. But, like, Out of Africa no, came out he's... this year, right? Like, there's, you know... Oh, Redford, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the vibe, I think. Yeah. Oh, see, now I've talked about it. I'm like, oh, Red would be really good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that would, like, that would work. Maybe that would work. Maybe you just need, like, a more American-looking man. 
head on her. Yeah, you just need to get a blonde guy in there that has kind of a jaw, and then you're like, great, I buy it. I buy it. Instead of the most Italian man in the world, like, you get someone who looks like an American. And I don't understand why they're like, oh, he's from Scotland. Like, why is he from Scotland? Like, he doesn't need to be from Scotland. I don't know. But there weren't any Italians in America at that time, actually, Lara. Like, Columbus was in the 1900s. Oh, yeah, true. You you make a great point. I mean, there were. There definitely were Italians in America. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not like they're accepting that there are anyone other than people from England in America at this time, I guess. Like, I wish she had, like, a full, like, New York accent. I wish she was like, hey, you know? Like... He just sounded like Dog Day Afternoon. He's like, yeah, what's the matter with you? Like... Be great. It would be great. Perfect. I would. I see no. Um, we fixed it not now. To, not to, yeah. <laughs> not to talk about Last Temptation of Christ again, but like the the best reviews of that on Letterboxd are people being like, "Oh yes, Jesus Christ, a proud Italian American." Like, <laughs> 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 And like, I mean, I think maybe a Scorsese American Revolution movie could be quite fun, right? Like, he's yeah, the kind of person yeah. who could do scale like this. Maybe I mean, it's just that this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen Chariots of Fire either. But like, I get that's the also not that's not a good movie. Like, I don't know if that's actually true, but like, I just get the feeling that it's just like vibes, and <laughs> and the Oscars were like. <laughs> Oh, vibes good, music great, the five stars, and I'm like, okay, maybe we'll see. Why is Chariots of Fire? It's just vibes, like the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever had. I literally have no idea what it's about, apart from like the people running on a beach. Like, yeah, it's that's... about running. I, I mean, that seems like vibes. Like, why not? Running on a beach <laughs> to Bangladesh. Yeah. I mean, like, true. Exactly. And if you're like Al Pacino and you look at that and you're like, yeah, seems like a good guy to work with as a movie star who gets nominated for almost all of my performances. And I'm like, mm, does it though? Does it? Or does it seem like he's not going to know how to handle you? Like, yeah, because it's just like, yeah, this thing won Best Picture. And like, I could not tell you who a single person other than literally other than Ian Holm in this yeah. movie is. Like, I yeah. don't, it has had no like cultural resonance aside from, yeah, aside from Vangelis. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh my god! This movie well. is both like all exposition and like in all the narration and stuff, and n- nothing happens. Like I don't know, it's just yeah, nothing happens. Nothing happens at all. Just <sighs> bad. Oh well. I mean, like, hey, we filled this time. We've been talking we for did. like an hour and a half, and we did. you know, we found lots to say. I think we've we like did. thoroughly covered this movie, and now. We're gonna like take a break and we're gonna pick yeah, up yeah. pick back up with Al in the basically in the nineties, right? Yeah, like... in nineteen eighty nine. So just just <sighs> heading into yeah, with a good movie, finally a good movie. <laughs> I mean, an okay movie, like you know, like... <laughs> comparatively an okay, a yeah, good movie. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, we've made it out the flop era. We've done it. Yeah, Al's, we have. Al's comeback is approaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're entering the like crazy shit era, like where he's just doing business. Like, great, I don't know, it's great. great. This great. is so exciting. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like we've, 
I feel like we've really like it's been a real roller coaster for us this yeah. past like run of movies. You know, we've had the highs and we've had the lows, and like yeah. this is like the lowest low. And yeah, now we're gonna like you know he's gonna come back and he's gonna be like fresh and uh, and, and shiny weird. and new and yeah. weird and like he's yeah. gonna be wearing prosthetics and it's gonna be flinging exactly. his arms around and it's gonna exactly. be. It's going to be a hell of a time. So what movie are we covering next, to be explicit? It's Sea of Love, right? It's Sea of Love, yeah. Sea which, of Love. Um, we will talk about Diane next episode as well, because that's an important part of the Sea of Love story. But um, yeah, good good movie. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, you know, we'll be around. We'll be, like, retweeting Francis, as yeah, we are want yeah. to do. <laughs> like, that's all we do on the Twitter account these days. Exactly. But you can follow us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Al, P- Al, P- Al Pacino. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great wouldn't it let's change our app let's see if we can get that um follow, follow us at alpodchino on twitter and on instagram for tweets and pictures and nonsense and you know you can drop us an email at francesofthepodchino at gmail.com we've never gotten an email I keep like I being like someone should send us an email nobody's send done it send us a creepy email about Al or about us do like. it Please. <laughs> yeah, just like whatever you fancy. Like, we're just open. Tell us what you had to dinner. Like, you know, just, <laughs> just like, yeah, catch up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all the nice things yeah. that you can do on whatever podcast app you uh, enjoy. Um, you know, stay safe, <laughs> have have a nice week, you know, do we love you. Um, <laughs> I have an uh, and as always. Great! Thanks for listening. Uh, and, and as, as always, always, apparently Al Pacino saw Rocket Man seven times in theaters. <laughs> great! Oh, great. 